Welcome back to the Film Ireland podcast. Uh, it's been a little while. August is, we're deep in August now. Summer is gone. Winter's approaching. Christmas is coming. That's it. Hello again, Sarah. How <laughs> Hello, are you? Hello, I'm good. Yes, I'm uh, happy that we finally got this t- podcast together this time. Mm. It sort of fell apart a few times. But also, we hadn't seen a whole lot the first time around either. So it's probably for the best that we delayed it mm. and saw, once again, too many films. And yes. they're like, won't we talk about all of those films we saw? Uh, but, given this is the Film Ireland podcast, Sarah, mm. take us away with some Irish film reviews. Yes, okay, so this first one is like a little bit of a cheat, I feel. Out of the gate, we've already broken yes, the system and everything we stand for. <laughs> but, uh, so this is um, The Lonely Battle of Thomas Reed, which came out last year in cinemas, but it had its television debut <laughs> this year. Um, I think it was at the beginning of July. And, and What station was that on now? Is that the RTE or... I think so. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Our national you broadcaster. You don't need no Skybox for, <laughs> for these homegrown movies. Um, so, yeah. And, and I feel I have to include it specifically because it's... Can it be my film of the year if it came out last year? I don't know. But it's... This it's, is the way I often have because, like, with the Oscar stuff, I'd count them as mm, last year movies, even mm-hmm. though they always come out. Like, the favorite, for example, at the end of this year, will that be my top 10? Even though it's technically a 2018 yeah. movie in America, yeah. but 2019 movie here. So, I don't know. Yeah. Make up your own rules. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, so anyway, it's a really, really good film is basically, I suppose, <laughs> my, my main point. So I want to talk about it. Yeah, directed by Virgil Ward. And it's uh, Richard, D- I don't know if you know anything about it at all. Because I, I really didn't know anything. I feel I did at one in. point and now I don't. Okay. Like, I definitely remember being out and I remember seeing trailers and like hearing a lot about it. So I mm-hmm. think I did at one point know the story, but now it's entirely gone. So okay. regale me. So yeah, it's about um, uh, a f- farmer named Th- Thomas Reed. Uh, his lonely battle um so against, far so good. yes <laughs> pretty much against the um industrial development authority who basically on behalf of intel um tried to get a compulsory purchase order to take Tom reed's land um this is a true story it's, it? yes no, entirely they, true they didn't name intel they're in like a fictionalized story oh, yeah. Get sued. <laughs> yeah actually yeah it, 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 there's, yeah, there's a lot of w- weird things going on about it that I'm even sort of leery about mentioning. In oh, it. really? It, well, it's, it's, it's quite scary because um, part of why this, I guess, documentary got ma- made was because this compulsory purchase order was like unprecedented. Like usually they're done for public good mm-hmm. reasons. This one was done because Intel wanted land, which is not a public good. No. Um, so, you know, essentially... It was threatening what Irish people should be able to own or not own um, as, as sort of private individuals. Mm. So, I, like, yeah, it's quite a big deal for a lot of reasons. Um, and, I, but, I mean, it's, it's a really fascinating story. But on top of this, it's just a very fascinating look at sort of, um, I guess, an Ireland that isn't quite here anymore. Because Thomas Reid, he, he in- inherited his, this family farm. He pretty much just wants to, like, just be a small-time farmer. He seems to still, you know, listen to records from the 70s. Right. He's not, he doesn't seem to have much interest in technology. And he, so he's kind of, yeah, like he, it sort of is like a real-life uh, local hero, if you've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I know of it. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, it is 
like just like sort of really uh, amazing look at sort of an admirable way of life that's kind of gone in particular you know watching him like you know look after his cows and stuff and you're hearing the sounds of um of like cars going by in the motorway outside and it, it, like there's this sort of big incongruity between the, the two worlds and another really interesting aspect of it is that they have Partly because of things that they couldn't show, they have recreations of of okay. like the high court um, action that's going on and the interactions between the um, industrial development authority and Thomas Reed. Yeah, so like they're just, just like there's actors in court garb in, mm. and you know there's cows in the background. It's really really like it's <laughs> very very impressive. Um, it's absolutely like nail-biting stuff and I, I i won't say how it ends because i think one of the be- well I, I definitely felt like not actually knowing what the outcome was going to be um was quite important the first time i watched it sure, some people might, might know <laughs> so if you do watch the movie anyway but yeah no it's uh, yeah uh, just like really really interesting look at something that sounds like it probably shouldn't be as interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> But there was a but documentary a few years ago that um, when before Trump was, you know, president of the world, oh, Trump, exactly. <laughs> um, about him trying to buy a lot of land in Scotland for, oh, right. I forget the documentary, that was also like referencing a local hero too. And mm-hmm. again, like that sounds like it should be interesting, whereas it's local people being like, I don't want a building site here. Yeah, Yet the film's yeah. actually really interesting and really riveting and mm-hmm. annoying and just made you hate Trump and then Trump being president. And, uh, <laughs> it's all much worse. Sorry, go on. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. what you mean by like material being yeah. ostensibly quite pedestrian, but being mm. really engaging. Because again... We're used to the same kind of story in movies, as we were actually saying off, mm. off air a minute ago, and now this is sort of a more unique, smaller, mm-hmm. specific kind of thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about uh, The Lonely Battle of Thomas Reed. Yes. yes. I <laughs> suppose <laughs> um, moving on to the second part of my uh, Irish corner uh, is... Um, a, f- a film that is actually only coming out now, oh. so it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, I'm really on it, yeah, exactly, um, which is um, Never Grow Old, directed by Ivan Kavanagh. I think it's an American, Irish, French movie starring Emile Hirsch, who I believe will be coming up again later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've actually, yeah, subsequently to watching this... up on him and found yeah, out the, thing, the yeah, bad it's, things? it's not yeah, good. <laughs> no, it's not for good at all. Um, <laughs> He's one of those people, uh, hashtag me too, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Not a great guy, um, by all accounts. Allegedly. <laughs> yes, allegedly. Uh, so this actually kind of... Well, it, it, I mean, obviously, it, it's going to color mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. you view anything but specifically in this movie he's supposed to be like the good guy uh-huh. you know protecting his wife from the bad guys so ironic it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a little bit ironic eat that Alanis Morissette <laughs> <laughs> yeah she has to rewrite the song <laughs> for the post me too <laughs> but uh so yeah so this is set in uh, it tells us at the very beginning it's set in uh, 1849 on the trail out to California it's sort of like type of tiny village that would probably be there 200 years after the witch if mm, they survived ish okay. kind of thing <laughs> actually the cinematography is great it does there's a lot of mud there's a lot of like townspeople walking around in mud oh. um but it, it, it yeah it all looks very very evocative that's um definitely one of the stronger parts of the movie 
Emil Hirsch is supposedly an Irish man, mm -hmm. which I did not realize until he, his character specifies it 30 minutes in. Oh, so there's no like dodgy accent or anything. Oh, it's, I thought he was German or Dutch oh, or right. I like, yeah, um, it is not a good Irish accent. Interesting. <laughs> Do you know, it's also not kind of ridiculous enough to make any list of ridiculous <laughs> accents, but it's just not very good. That's kind of worse though. You want to yeah, be like good, yeah. like really bad. Yeah, no, In the middle is no fun. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and I, I realized that also if, you know, a German or Dutch audience watched this, they'd be like, he's not German or Dutch. Do you know, it's, I presume it's just a poor accent in every mm, way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Hirsch is a undertaker and he sort him and his family have been hoping to get out to California, but they kind of stopped here along the way and have kind of been become part of the community when John Cusack's bad guy comes along. John Cusack, really good. Um, this is a very good yeah, it was, this is a pretty scary guy. thought about him in years. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> he's, he's back in town. Um, How's his accent? He doesn't... He's, yeah, it's <laughs> sort of an American-ish uh, okay. accent. Well, it's yeah. fine. One of the good parts of it, actually... Well, one of the parts that I kind of liked at the time, I'm not entirely so sure about now, was that he... He, he sort of he's saying to, to Mil Hirsch, like, oh, you're Irish you know that like the Irish are like the lowest of the low here. And it's, I sort of thought that it was trying to go for a sort of like, this is the kind of asshole who tells Irish myths, mm. Irish slave myths to, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> to stir the shit basically. But actually, I'm not really sure what the point of it was. Like it didn't sort of lead to anything that big. So I think it was just like, it's a way of provoking someone. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, so the town at the time is a, a dry town. They don't they don't allow alcohol in it. Okay. Um, and John Cusack's bad guy decides to open up a tavern, and everything descends into chaos. So it's it's not a terrible movie, but I also don't think it's really it didn't really convince me of what it was trying to do. Emil Hirsch's character is sort of dragged into it because they knock on his door late one night and are like basically saying. You, you direct us towards the houses of the people who owe us money or we'll do something nasty to your wife and kids. So he sort of becomes their, like, I don't know, their go-between, I guess. Mm. Um, and also, since he's the undertaker, basically, they're kind of saying, like, oh, good news, we're going to murder more people. You're, gonna, you're not going to be out of business. But mm. they're also, they also, I think the film is also trying to, it's, it's trying to maintain him as a good guy, who's getting too far in. Right. But they never really show us him getting too far in. Like, he always seems like he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. There's also not not enough done to show that he couldn't get out of it. Like, it sort of just didn't really convince me, I think, what it was trying to do. There's also <laughs> one kind of slightly weird subplot, which is another family are passing through on their way to California. And it's just the most, like, earnest... Uh, husband and wife the the husband's kind of going say is there anywhere you know we can get a, a drink on our way through and the wife's going but only one because you know we got to get through to california in, in one day and um so millhurst is like yes there, there is a tavern and then the next scene is oh that guy got shot <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> sickly uh, right. sweet trying to show something but i, I don't know so it was there's sort of, sort of some kind of odd subplots going on that i wasn't that keen on but um yeah like it's 
it's sort of a decent enough western, but I don't know that it does anything particularly interesting either. It sounds oddly like it should be starring Liam Neeson. And mm. that's the level of kind of mid-tier, not great film it is. Uh, like, he should be in it. Yeah. I, but, I, yeah, hmm. I think actually that maybe... I think the film suffers a bit because it doesn't want its main character to be portrayed as, an as like, an asshole. <laughs> like its lead actor. <laughs> yes, yeah. When it, it probably should be. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah uh, That's yeah. odd for a Western, too. Usually they kind of are not yeah. too nonplussed about having, like, more morally ambiguous Yeah, practice. I mean, maybe that is what they were trying to go to differentiate themselves. Maybe. Um, mm, seems odd. And, I, I mean, in a way, I would have liked if they, if they could have pulled it off. I probably mm. would have liked it. But um, I'm not, not sure that they did. Um, yeah, his wife is sort of probably the better, the best character. I would like to have seen more of her. She's just like sort of anachronistically feminist, but you know, uh, kicking yeah, ass. That, so that, you that know, trope. I, kind of, <laughs> I, I appreciate it because I can't stand seeing old timey sexism for the sake of old timey sexism. But I also do find it oddly like historically apologetic to have yeah, that like, definitely. Feels, yeah, yeah, oh. that's it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's maybe just like start telling you stories and uh, instead of yeah. just shoehorning like feminist stuff that doesn't mm. make sense in there. <laughs> but you know, like that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good, not great. Okay. I will quickly jump in with a Toy Story 4, which came out and it's probably the only Disney anime film I'll see all year. <laughs> um, I suppose context on my Toy Story, whatever, I don't like swear by them they're good mm. i've seen them all in cinema once each that's all i've seen them <laughs> uh three is probably the best one this one did need to exist but it is decent it's a good little people are saying like it's more of a code out of three i think it's more of a side Ooh. story like it does have certain elements i kind of feel like they're the next step of the conclusion um but also not so much uh, I've actually forgotten what the plot is. To be honest, it's there's there's a new toy that's a, that's a fork, and then they go on a road trip. That's basically. Is there? The plot. <laughs> did they have to go and get Bo Peep back, or does she turn uh, up? So the opening is like a flashback to before the events of three, and it's showing how she left. Uh, okay. She got like the daughter. I forget the name of the kids. Andy and who was the sister name? Whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. Bessie. Bessie. Yeah. <laughs> that's the name of like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Bessie, whatever her name was. Uh, she like gets rid of the toy and like sell it off and stuff, and then they're like, "Oh, both keeps going." And then like flashes forward to currently now with all the toys with other okay. child from the other three. <laughs> uh, oh, what's her name? God damn it! I feel like I should know her name. She's mentioned like every second line in the movie. Anyway, the new kid that Andy gave the toys to the other three. Okay. Her, um, and she goes to school for the first time, and Woody helps her make a a fork thing, okay. which then comes to life. And then they're on a road trip and it keeps trying to kill itself. So they have to protect Ooh. it. It's funny. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'll explain that word contact in a second. Okay. <laughs> and then it gets kidnapped by a toy in an antique shop where Bo Peep escaped from. And then they find her and she helps them rescue. The, it's, yeah. Anyway, mm. it's quite good. Um, I think it's, it's odd in that it's probably the first one of all of those that isn't an ensemble piece like it's very much Woody's story and Woody's when I say Woody it's about for all the dads in the audience but like, <laughs> oh, my children are leaving me forever I must find new hobbies to deal with my life okay um that's very much what the plot is but the rest of the characters are there but functionally useless like oh, Jesse gets something to do Buzz gets a little small side story yeah. but like functioning to do so that kind of feels odd like it feels like one of the you know like the shorts they released a while ago mm. like one okay. of them but kind of stretched oh. uh 
on the note of the suicide thing, though. So <laughs> Sporky knows he is trash because he's a disposable fork. Okay. So he, he feels like his purpose is to be used and then go in the trash. So he's always just trying to jump in the bins. Uh, okay. Which, and just keeps saying that I'm trash. And like when he describes what going in the trash would be like, at least this warm embrace. And so it's all like, <laughs> I think it's very much like millennial humor. Like it, that's okay. not for the kids. That's definitely more for like the, the people that grew up off the other ones that are now jaded. Mm-hmm non-homeowners that just hate <laughs> everything uh, but i think it works quite well and i think the kids probably wouldn't notice too much that it's, it's all this veiled suicide humor okay. uh there's a lot of, like kitty jokes but there's also some quite decent horror elements because in the, in the antique shop the there's no real villain in this movie though that's another kind of weird thing about it but the the nominal first two act villain before you really mm. the villain i've forgotten her name uh, she's like one of those <laughs> like pull string 1950s Oh, okay. kind of dolls and then they'll sort of freely dress and stuff and goes for tea parties but she her voice box is broken so she wants to kidnap Woody to get his voice box so she can be loved by the little girl that lives in that comes into the antique shop and like passes her by all the time but she has all of these um like ventriloquist dummies that mm-hmm. are her kind of like own like private bodyguard outfit oh right and they look like do you remember goosebumps that the ventriloquist dummy design for that like kind of like a big round head they look oh, similar okay. to that but the way they move is this like gangly, flopping, like running thing they do. They don't talk. Wow. They just kind of make awkward noises and like their jaws just hanging and the way they just kind of, they just tilt their heads at weird angles. And it's like, it's played up for full horror. And I saw it with like adults in the cinema around me and some of them were like getting freaked out by it. So like it works as genuine horror, which is okay. quite impressive. So those sequences are quite fun. Huh. Um, I think, and this is something I think you broke my brain with a while ago. I forget <laughs> what film it was you mentioned it in, but once you said it, I couldn't stop seeing it. Just, I keep watching for when cops are on screen in these movies oh, now. Oh, right. And how they never, ever, ever have white male cops in movies anymore. Ooh. It's always either women <laughs> or, like, people of colour. And it's really interesting. I know why they're doing it. And I'll actually get to that in Good Boys later. Uh, well, I'll explain why they're doing it now. But I'll get that. We'll get to Good Boys there. But they can't really show white male cops harassing people anymore. Especially mm. not because they have much more diverse casts these days in movies. They can't show them. Like, in Good Boys, the bit with the cop. It's yeah, a black cop that's harassing a, point, a black actually. kid, and it's it's yeah, fine. Yeah, if that was a white yeah. cop, endless <laughs> thing pieces. So yeah. I know why they're doing it. It's, it's some kind of unique, like ubiquitous casting uh, post-it note somewhere. It has yeah. to be. Also, I'm not going to bother reviewing Spider-Man, even though it's quite good. But there's a deleted sequence in that that you can see in the trailer where Spider-Man's like having having the chats with the cops, and they're all black cops. Wow. And it's it's so once you spot it, it's so obviously intentional mm. just to avoid controversy and to be quote unquote apolitical. Yeah. But anyway, so even in Toy Story, it's sort of there. There is a one white cop at one point, like knocks on a window, but like the only cops you see. There's like security guards, they're all women and near the end that help a little girl get the who's lost and then there's like a Polly Pocket toy mm. who thinks she's a cop and even she's like oh. dark skinned. Okay, it's like, wow. It's even the toys. <laughs> like It's so ubiquitous. It's just kind of weird. Uh-huh. Um, even though like obviously it's not a problem. It's just, it's so, once you can see them trying to avoid the problem yeah. before it yeah. happens, it's just really kind of cynical and sort mm. of, I don't know, sinister in some way. Definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it's that sort of weird thing aside, it's good. Um, Keanu Reeves in this a little bit. He's huh. fun uh, as a Canadian, like, oh, Sarah, <laughs> we're back. The names are gone. Um, <laughs> evil can evil, evil okay. Like a Canadian version of evil can evil. <laughs> I was going like, have you forgotten all of the toys? Like, did you have a childhood? <laughs> Uh, so he's, he's that he's good Key and Peter in it um, oh. as like these two stuffed bears are like kind of sewn together and they just have they keep having these really violent 
fantasies about like wow. basically basically murdering people and it's, okay. you kind of get you kind of see like visualizations of them and again and they're really funny but again it just feels like this isn't for the kids this yeah, feels like it's for okay. the, the adults that grew up wow. these movies because it's it's noticeably harsher in its kind of comedy than the kiddie stuff is um i think there was someone else that was in it that was surprising um maybe not uh but yeah no i think it's definitely worth seeing if you like the other ones i don't think it ruins the ending okay. of figure anything because i think it does continue on hmm. like three is the ending but four is kind of the what they did next like what existentially they did next okay. like how they moved on to realizing that there's gonna always be there's always gonna be another kid on the horizon another another looming obsolescence to deal mm. with and like the the ennui of that or the ennui or you pronounce that word yeah uh, yeah <laughs> good no i i heard um some people saying that woody is some sort of like class traitor or <laughs> like these are just Please do of, explain. well i i genuinely don't really know beyond that but just that like he in some way oh. does something that is not cool <laughs> god i have no idea um Jesus, no, I have no okay. idea. <laughs> if I thought about it for an hour, maybe I could think about it. <laughs> he exists in a capitalist system, you I know. Mean, they all do. Can you be a bigger traitor than that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a good note to end it on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, um, podcast listeners, you could look that up and see what what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> we all have our degrees here. We apologize. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so the, go on give us some give us some netflix goodness oh, as yes. is our customary netflix, thing with these yeah. episodes now yeah i was to be honest i was kind of thinking maybe i should stop doing netflix because no. It, well no i was thinking like they're all kind of bad oh, yeah. but yeah, then yeah, i found yeah. one that's good Excellent. so i feel like i'm fine again first one this year probably not no not the first one this year um but the first one in a while definitely yeah. um i also think that it's you might just have to go non-English speaking mm. <laughs> in order to find the good ones. Almost definitely. So, um, yeah. So I feel like the ones that are non-English are the ones that they just bought that are already made, whereas mm. the ones that they make themselves are all English. So, like, I yeah, think you're, looking, makes, you're getting that, real okay. Filipino so by them. Yeah, so I'm basically saying, yeah, just look... Yeah, okay, so things that have a Netflix logo but aren't Netflix. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I guess these two are kind of... They're useful because they're both essentially about kidnapping <laughs> so you know there's a theme it's universal um, and there you go um, yeah so the the crap uh english-speaking one yes. uh, is a secret obsession and then the, the name alone sounds like a trashy yeah. like 80s romance yeah novel. that's it i was actually like it should be a perfume <laughs> or yeah, something yeah it's yeah it's uh, it's Ugh. already poor um the good one is a german film called kidnapping stella so mm. you know blunt to the point this is what the movie <laughs> is about um, what's the german title do you know i don't can you know. say it in an accent no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay so secret obsession um one of the reasons not one of the reasons i watched it i watched it because i was like this looks trashy and <laughs> you know it might be in entertaining for and an you have hour PhD and a half too, which you're yes doing. So, yeah, exactly Netflix, yeah. um what was so annoying about it beyond uh, as well as other things is just like the the blandness of the palette, I guess. Like, there's no color contrast. There's no shadow. It's just like they went out, shot this on, yeah, on the studio without thinking about how things like light and shadow can influence, um, you know, a viewing mm. um, of a film. I feel like that is possibly a problem with Netflix films, that they they all look just like they were shot on the same stage on the same well, day. 
next question is going to be does it have the Netflix problem of or problem with staple of having some light outdoor shots and then Ooh. two house locations for the rest of the movie uh, yeah I mean it's it's a lot of a house location definitely because they all yeah. are bird box <laughs> the perfection they're all those yeah yeah that's here's a good some point. location work here's a house for the rest yeah, of it yeah yeah um, I mean I guess that is it's sort of true of both of the films to a certain degree because mm. they are about like someone being kidnapped how will they I get us I guess in that genre yes it's more acceptable <laughs> to have a but single no, location but no agreed uh, yeah so Secret Obsession as well like it's essentially yeah it's about a woman who was in some sort of horrible accident uh, and doesn't have now has amnesia um, but thankfully her loving husband who she literally just got married to turns up at the hospital to bring her home hooray mm-hmm. um <laughs> is this heavily foreshadowed in some like it's, hilarious way what the twist is going to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's kind of it's a weird film because the t- what what you anticipate being the twist is the twist mm-hmm. but it doesn't it happens neither early enough nor late enough for it to like be the thing oh do you know it, it ends up it does end up being the thing but it you don't spend enough time waiting for it or for the fallout mm. of it. Um, mm. It's strange. <laughs> strange. Um, it's a sort of a subgenre that not necessarily has been done that much, but it's been done enough that like it's you should be able to make a competent mo- version of it. But this one has so many uh, storylines that go nowhere. Sort of the most egregious are obviously the film needs wants to have a. Um, red herring so this kind of like grizzly pirate looking guy <laughs> turns up at the hospital and is like oh wh- you know where where is she where's the that lady that and um they're like we we don't know who you are go away um but then he dies like 20 minutes later All right. <laughs> and we get no explanation as to who he was <laughs> so it's just like you you can't just you know your, your storyline needs to go somewhere is person, this someone's first film? Was this possibly. A... It's a guy called Peter Sullivan. I have not heard of his name elsewhere. Um, okay, Google. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, yeah, another one that annoyed me was there's a detective who is trying to figure out who are these people really? What's going on? And um, we're introduced to him because he's buying a toy for his daughter for her birthday. Right. Who we find out died 10 years ago and he's been mourning her ever since that's it like <laughs> at the end of the film he's like well i don't feel i need to mourn anymore <laughs> so it's like these things are just thrown there and it's like it's a you know it's a very standard story so tie up your loose ends instead of just throwing them out into okay, the ether sorry his directing credits i'm just, I'm just reading oh. this here these, this isn't these names so summoned high school possession Dear oh. Secret Santa, a horror movie apparently. <laughs> oh. Hidden Away. Okay. Uh, All About Christmas Eve, which I assume is a lady's name probably. Uh, the Dog yeah. Who Saved Halloween. Uh, okay. Stephen King Night Surf. Is that a surfing film or a Stephen King film? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not his first movie, but it sounds like he makes a lot of trashy yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you uh, go. Good, good for him. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. That's bad That's movie. That's the bad one, yeah. Um, the good movie is Kidnapping Stella. This is just a good... like. It, I suppose in comparison, everyone has interesting motives. Their actions make sense. Mm. Storyline, you know... The, yeah. The, the, <laughs> How dare they? Things actually tie up in appropriate and interesting ways. 
Um, no meandering, no, don't know yeah. what's the plot. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, one of Dead Daughters and Pirates. Um, it's kind of, I suppose it is a little bit distressing at times. They're like, because it is about about someone being kidnapped for ransom. So stuff like having to, you know, go in a bucket and stuff turns up. It's, I mean, you, uh, you don't yeah. see it, but, you know, I can understand people watching it being kind of finding it quite upsetting. So I guess, yeah, I would say like, go in knowing it's, kind of a bit gross <laughs> i mean it feels weird to have to like flag that up because it's a movie about kidnapping it yeah should, it shouldn't true, be true. a fun time right but yeah and yeah that's the kind of the way we're at now where it's all yeah. these sexy thrillers where there's no buckets involved <laughs> there should be so. yeah mm-hmm. um actually what, what i quite like about it is i suppose i won't give away too much of of what happens but yeah these two guys kidnap stella um and actually she yeah it, it, it's quite it, is quite good because you kind of find out that the one of the guys who kidnapped her was actually her ex-boyfriend and who basically had told the other guy um oh yeah she like her her, her father has money but didn't mm-hmm. tell him that he has a very close tie to her so they're wearing masks a lot of the time so that she she doesn't yeah um recognize them but like even though the setup is actually really stupid it actually like works quite well um, like you realize that this guy is actually just kind of quite dim. That's why he like that's why he that's why he end up ended up where he is in the first place. So yeah, like I I, I was quite clever the way that they 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 do kind of I suppose set up something that's not doesn't sound like it should quite work, but I think it ends up working quite well. So yeah, that's a better movie. I mean, actually watch that one. Please do. Um, how long was it? Like two um, hours, hour and a half. Yeah, I think it's not. quite why two hours okay it's good. A that's a good length yes right, yes, yes. Um, well that's a good segue what mm. isn't a decent length ah. was midsummer or oh, should yes. we say midsummer i'm never sure how we actually said do you use yeah. the accented version or not yeah. um what do they say in the movie i can't really remember actually do they ever say it i think they just call it the midsummer festival but then again okay. they all say it in the natural accent so they kind of say midsummer yeah. anyway but i don't know if yeah. they're saying midsummer yeah. or midsummer but anyway mm. look doesn't matter this, I actually didn't know going into this how long it was going to be. Okay. And like I didn't. Yeah. I, don't, I actually will say this. I didn't think it felt like two and a half hours. It's like mm-hmm. it felt long. I was like, this is going on a bit, but I didn't think it was a full two and a half hours. Mm. Um, but I'm glad I didn't go in knowing that because I feel like I would have been very restless if I hadn't. Mm. And there's a three-hour cut available Ooh, now, or like he premiered okay. three-hour cut last week or something. Uh. Apparently, it's it's good. I'd, I'd watch it once. I think the three-hour cut just to see. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. No. Anyway, mm. Midsummer uh, story is Florence Plough is a woman with a lot of trauma in her life uh, as is every Ari Aster protagonist yes. it seems every movie he does um, with a dickhead boyfriend played mm. by her old favourite Jack Rayner mm. uh, they get dragged to a weird festival by a friend of theirs for ostensibly anthropological study reasons and then that festival is shocking shockingly a big horrible mess nightmare thing mm. and things go very wicker man and it's, it's the wicker but they're man. not influenced by the wicker man no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> nothing gets burned alive in a big wooden thing at the end um so i think first thing i have to say about this mm. is i i think i did like it but excellent use of jack rayner this is probably the mm. best casting of him okay. i've seen in a while because we, we often slag off poor jack poor very wealthy jack who's been in transformer movies <laughs> That he's a bit dopey looking and he acts in a kind of slightly bewildered way all the time. Excellent use of him here. Because he's meant to be this slightly dickhead boyfriend that's very considerate and ignorant and who you're meant to hate, which is always good. Mm. And isn't the brightest or isn't the most 
self-aware so mm. i think he was actually very well used here and it's one of his better performances mm. in my mind yeah it was appropriate and to have them back with uh, will poulter from when they were together before in detroit doing oh pretty God, much the same thing were. yeah i thought of that <laughs> will poulter's great in this yeah. yeah he almost feels out of place as like this outwardly comedic character but mm. he was he was very good um i'm guessing by your wincing at the start of this you didn't enjoy as much <laughs> Not really, no. What like, was your thoughts on Hereditary? I can't remember now. Did on you? Twitch, Hereditary? Oh, Hereditary. Yeah, I just thought it was unintentionally quite funny. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> yes, this is where the naked thing came from, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. At least there was lots of naked women in this. So, you know, it kind of balances <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, I'm curious what his third film will be, because it seems like he makes the same film every time. Because it's, both yeah, of them are like, yeah. here's someone who experienced a really upsetting familial trauma. Mm. Who found himself in like a weird culty situation and then everything just burns down at the end. Like, that's mm. the same film, kind of. Yeah, advice. no, I agreed. Um, no, I <laughs> like. <laughs> I actually noises. agreed that I didn't. It felt long. It didn't feel, it feel two and a half mm-hmm. hours long. And I actually don't think I didn't despise the experience of watching it. But I just found that everything was brought was signposted so like clearly mm, like mm. so early as well that i i anticipated pretty much everything that happened <laughs> which was just quite disappointing because like there you know there was scope for them to do stuff and subvert your expectations and but yeah no i was I, like i was kind of just like is this like is this sort of like for people who haven't seen horror Movies, films before yeah. <laughs> um it's sort of what it felt like to me so because my worry going in was that it's so obviously the wicker man yeah and yet, then yeah. they're like oh no it's we, we intentionally tried not to be the wicker man because everything's the wicker <laughs> man if you do like a cult movie and then it's like yeah it's, it's just kind of the wicker man <laughs> yeah like it's kind of the opposite in some ways in that like wicker man's all about this sort of puritanical cult mm. that are against or like well he's a puritanical guy who comes into cult and then gets like oversexed to death kind of whereas they're all horny modern millennials and therefore mm-hmm. but then they still okay. try to make that sort of the shocking thing of oh no they're having so much sex in here how horrifying mm. and that sex scene's quite funny because mm, yeah. Jack Green is having <laughs> sex with that, that, the girl, um, and everyone like behind was like pushing him into her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I I didn't initially on the first viewing fully understand Florence Plough's arc and having like read a lot of reviews, I was like, oh, I guess that actually is kind of not revolutionary, but sort of a bit different because I, I like the fact that it ended with her sort of joining them and choosing to kill Jack Rainer's character mm-hmm. and smiling at the end and stuff. I didn't really get why it was happening at the time, but like yeah, okay. thinking about it and reading about it, yeah, I guess it makes sense that yeah, it is sort of just her abandoning that toxic relationship for a much worse toxic relationship in many mm. ways. Um, yeah. So that's nice, but again, two and a half hours, just do that. Do you need it? Uh, I will say it was not really scary at any point. No. Like, I like <laughs> the idea of doing a daylight horror movie. But the only bits that had any tension were all in darkness anyway. Yeah, they really were. Um, uh, but it was still horrifying, especially mm. the suicide jump bit, which was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. uh, and the skin suit. Good Jesus, the skin <laughs> suit sequence was just horrifying. Uh, yeah, I think that was the one part that I did think was genuinely quite scary. But it was funny, I was actually, I was talking about it with someone recently, uh, because, like, in particular because, like... My research is on nighttime oh, in, course, yeah, yeah. in gothic and horror. So, like, was, yeah, talking with someone who actually brought up a quite an interesting point, which is, like, the fact that the one, the one black character dies in the night is actually quite problematic. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, and I think it kind of addressed a slightly wider problem I had with the film, which was, like, 
that it really didn't want to address the race issue that is going on because that's a society that presumably is going to get white people to marry, to mix with the white people. Yeah. Like all the characters of color are just sort of shunted out of the way instead of addressing the fact that this is about purity, do you know? Um, Which is, I don't know, I, I thought that was just a little bit cowardly or something. I don't know. It disappointed me a bit. Mm, I guess it, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's never, they never try to make it seem like what they're doing there is good, I suppose. But you're right, they don't actually really address it mm. either. It's a sort of, it's a thing that happens, but yeah. it's never really commented on. It's, it's again, that sort of quote unquote apolitical thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And actually, the the ending, the reason I didn't really like the ending was like, I do understand some people saying like, oh, it's kind of, is seeing it from the woman's point of view mm. and that's cool it's vaguely feminist yeah vaguely feminist <laughs> but the thing is that it's about a guy being like killed in like what you could basically call a witch hunt <laughs> and also he's he's called christian and he's been killed by pagans so i sort of don't really understand the view that it's anything other than like really misogynistic <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> didn't even cop that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it disappointed me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we'd reviewed this like close to the time, I would have yeah. more to say about it. I'm like yeah. reading back my notes and going, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. I know you mentioned before, like we both saw the trailer and the fact that they use like oh, a yeah. big sexy shot yeah. in the trailer, like this person with deformities. In the end, they're barely in it. It's yeah, strange. Actually, didn't need to be there yeah, at yeah. all. Really, yeah. it, they're just there to exist as sort of a look. How great our incest is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well done. Yeah. yeah bizarre. And actually, um, funny. Um, um, yeah, I remember you saying, um, as you mentioned just there, the, the fact that like the two, uh, the two movies, Hereditary and Midsummer, that they do kind of follow almost the exact same mm-hmm. tra- trajectory. And I think as well, it, it it kind of highlights the fact that the this the the cult that they go to stay with, it starts from it starts off more nuanced and ends up just being like, oh no, they're just murderers. <laughs> like they're it, at, at the start, it sort it's of looks like, like four people. Yeah, I, I know it's fine, <laughs> but it it does seem like it's starting off saying like, well, maybe there's a reason to you, you know like. May, we, we we don't you know euthanize our our aged, but we let them you know. Yes. crumble to death in, in homes. Is, are we any better? That was an interesting point. Which yeah, was an interesting yeah. point. But then at the end, it's like, they just murder everyone. Put like, them in there. Yeah. Put them on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like it, it does feel like Arya Store is like using quite nuanced ideas to do very blunt, I would argue, not very interesting yeah. Um, yeah. stories. So... Yeah. Because <laughs> I had that same problem with Hereditary where I was like, this is an interesting setup. Yeah. And if you left it ambiguous, this would be a really good like exploration of grief and stuff. But as it is, it's just this really weird, dumb movie. Mm. <laughs> but I really like Hereditary, but the end of it's just stupid. Mm. Um, yeah. I still think it's an impressive piece of work. There's visually... Yeah, there's some really good visuals good, in it. I yeah. think. The fact that neither of us, despite not loving it, didn't feel the length so much is probably yeah. a testament yeah. to it being quite Certainly, well yeah, yeah. something. I'm not sure. I wouldn't go as far as being well-paced, but like it's yeah. well... It flows quite well. I don't know. Like I didn't mind the time I spent with the cult, mm. apart from the really horrifying suicide bit, which is just <laughs> the grossest thing. Like the last scene starts and it pans across the crowd and it's just one guy with a giant fuck-off hammer. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Um... No, like, uh, yeah, I think I think for the most part, as I said, I was quite, I was curious to see not what was going to happen, mm. but how it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think the, the one part that contradicts that is 
do you remember the scene where the with the big long table and all the drinks and you see that Jack, Jack Rayner's drink is clearly spiked mm-hmm. and that goes on for like five minutes? <laughs> it's just it's, like that was sort of just like, are you really insulting the viewer's intelligence? Like we get it. We see, we see the drink. Wait, now which, which, which time are we talking about? The time when at the end when she's already been crowned the May Queen? No, Or no. the bit with the pube and the drink? This is, her, yeah, this is, I think it's the bit with the pube and the drink, like where it's just like, it's clearly a different color from the rest. Mm. And it's just there for ages, which is just, it, it just, I don't know. It just felt like we get it. And if we, if you haven't got it, you're not going to, <laughs> you know, we don't need five minutes of different uh. color drink. But, you know, there you go. <laughs> Apparently his, like, assembly cut list was five hours long. And right. <laughs> you can imagine how much labor there was on that one. Wow. Um, the lead is actually stuff does sound good. As well. It sounds like it's mainly just, like, little extra bits here and there, but there's one sequence they added back in of a nighttime drowning. Okay. Which I think would have been nice to bring mm-hmm. up the monotony of the daylight, but at the same time it would have been just reinforcing the whole thing of daylight horror. Yeah. Oh, nighttime is scary. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, that's strange. Like it could still end up my top ten end of the year because I think it's it's well it's it's a good piece of piece of craft. Uh-huh. But yeah, I don't know if it's that engaging a film on the whole. But mm-hmm. No, it was it was decent. It was it was okay. It was better than your average Netflix movie. Mm, that's true. I did enjoy. Um, I, I I'm not the only one to notice this that William Jackson Harper, who plays mm-hmm. um, Cheedy in the good. The Good Place is basically this. It. Okay, well, he's basically the same character. I've heard because, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so this is. Uh, it's kind of nice to think of this as well. Nice to think of this <laughs> as like, what did he do before he died? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of women uh, in, in cults. How about telling us about a woman at war? Oh, um, that was terrible. I'm sorry. It's um, all right. It's all right. It's it's not really about cults but it is about women so you're halfway there um yeah this is um this is another film that i did not i i I sort of anticipated liking it but i did not anticipate like thinking it's possibly one Mm. of my films of the year this is still out the news that was you said it's no i think it probably is gone by now um i saw it back in the, the pavilion tends to show um like reshow movies that have been out earlier in the year so that's when i caught it so this is yeah this has been out for like out, out for a while. but yes please do um yes yeah, so this is um an icelandic uh, i think icelandic ukrainian production part of it is set in ukraine so that makes sense but it's yeah directed by benedict elgin gerson and uh haldora gerhard daughter is uh the main character hala who's a woman in uh, I think she's kind of late, late 40s, who, we, the reason I'm saying that in particular is because she's been trying to adopt, but has been unsuccessful for quite a while because of her age. Mm-hmm. So she basically instead has decided to wage a one-woman war uh, on sort of industry in Iceland. And yeah. she's, she, there's a, there's a one company in particular that um, I suppose that, yeah, they seem to be involved in energy in some way the bad types of energy so she spends the time taking down their power lines oh i think i saw the trailer for this one a while ago and i thought this could be really good or incredibly naff because the trailer made it look like some ridiculous like british slapstick comedy okay i wasn't sure what to make of it at all yeah yeah. okay this one yeah yeah actually i suppose even at times i was sort of like what what do what do i make of this but it's as i said what's just very interesting about it is i think it's at least gesturing towards a new type of filmmaking or at least storytelling because it is it's very much about what do we do now that climate change is here 
um, which I know, not to say it's that's never been addressed, but I don't think it's ever been addressed. I mean, not by our politicians. No, not by no, exactly. Um, I, I think it's obviously been there. There's been subtextual readings uh, that can mm-hmm. be done, but I don't. There's not a lot of films that are like about climate change yet. I guess that's true. Um, actually, yeah. So, yeah. I, like, I I was definitely thinking, okay, this could this could be interesting. And so, one of the quite clever things about the movie is the soundtrack is. You might have seen, I don't know if they brought it up in the trailer, but the soundtrack is actually being played diegetically. Okay. Um, it's, there's a, like a, a group of three singers and three musicians who basically follow her around <laughs> while she's like sabotaging and um, yeah, off doing her, her basic things. And it's it sort of, at first it does kind of seem like it's just there to be kind of played for last. Mm. But like, I think it's also quite clever because I think the movie is trying to, it's it's trying to maybe say that like we've had this one narrative for so long, uh, but can we? How can we try to change that? Mm. And the fact that she sort of interacts with the the thing that is supposed to be telling her narrative nearly feels like they're trying to say like, okay, well, can we reassess? Can we try new things? And in particular, at at the very end of the movie, um, so I suppose yeah, this is where it is kind of I think trying new things in particular, herself and like other people have to like get off this bus and they're like okay you have to get off this bus because there's a flood everywhere now um and they basically just have to they, they just start wading through the water and which is so you know there's no there's not any particular explanation as to why this is happening but it's just sort of like shit this is our reality now yeah. and in in particular her band is walking with her and one of the one of the musicians in the band actually like takes her suitcase for her and I actually like started crying at that point because it was just sort of like, holy shit, like this is the future and we have to start helping each other. Yeah. Sort of, I think the really revolutionary parts of the film are actually quite small, but like it just feels like this is where we have to go now. So it's like, it was just a really incredibly powerful film for me, even though I don't really know why <laughs> in certain ways. I feel like I'm going to cry mm. now. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. I guess I'm just terrified about climate change. <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> so, yeah. So, do, um, I suppose the other thing as well is uh, when I saw it, it was like mainly old people in the <laughs> cinema. And I'm not sure how much of them got it or didn't. Um, so, I just, I hope it's, I hope other people see it. <laughs> do you know? Because, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't mean to be ageist, but it's just like they're not going to be the ones mm, dealing to, with this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would say do to people do try and see it because it's um I don't know quite important I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. that, that's quite a high sell of a movie. Actually, <laughs> try and see it. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. From looking towards the future, it's looking back into the past. Ah. Once upon a time in Hollywood, Ooh. which I'm annoyed. Sadly, Sarah has not seen. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> she doesn't have any previous episodes. You'll know that Sarah loves just ripping into a good mainstream film mm. by a problematic male director. Mm-hmm. Um, alas, <laughs> I have to take up the mantle for this day. Uh, right, so you all know what it is. It's a new Tarantino movie. It's nominally about DiCaprio and Brad Pitt as Rick Dalton and I want to say Cliff, uh, Brad Pitt as characters in uh, a weekend six months before the Manson murders. Sharon Tate's also kind of hanging around the plot. And then at the end, it flashes forward to the night of the murders. So I'm going to spoil the whole thing because it's kind of mm. hard not to talk about it without spoiling it. Uh, everyone, I guess, suspected that he'd alter history again in mm-hmm. Glorious Bastard style. He does. 
Um, so instead of murdering Sharon Tate and her unborn baby and everyone else in that house, the Manson family killers again. There's there's less of them than there was in the real world because they kind of altered that bit again as well. One the one that was in Stranger Things and who was Uma Thurman's daughter oh, okay. is one of them, but then she gets cold feet and runs away. Huh. So there's only three of them, uh, and they go to Rick Dalton's house instead because he's Sharon Tate's neighbor. And then Brad Pitt, while high on acid, violently murders all of them. And oh, I, that sequence <laughs> is quite fun just because it's so ridiculous. But after you think about it for a little while, you realize that, well, because the audience is expected to like be deliriously enjoying this cacophony of violence mm. against these three, these three people these three loser hippie people but in the movie's logic they've actually done nothing wrong like they've (laughs) they've threatened some people with knives oh my god (laughs) because like one of them so one of them she gets killed by brad pitt like grabbing her head and repeatedly smashing against a stone fireplace until she's like a pulp mess okay so like just clarify he is high as shit at this point like he's like Uh. crazily high that's why he's just laughing while murdering people and like, yeah, it's fun when you're watching it, but then you think of like, but these were just like mm. three hippies who, yeah, they threatened you with a knife and a gun, but they didn't do anything. And then here you are, the other quite good gag is there's a really early scene that shows an old film DiCaprio's character is in where he like flamethrowered some Nazis. And then at the very end, he still has the flamethrower, so he flamethrowed okay. another one of them. And it, it's very funny, but it's also like, it's disproportionate diegetically to what's happening. Like it, it's real world retribution mm. on these people, but those murders didn't happen in this universe yeah. shit <laughs> um i also think the ending that it that doesn't work the same way that inglorious bastards worked whereby because well, hitler still died i suppose he just died differently in the movie and yeah it was more mm. fun to see him get that kind of death rather than a solitary suicide yeah, death. Whatever. Yeah. but this one's like yeah but sharon tate's still dead and yeah Nah. And also, Wait, I can't help but feel that. Is she, sorry, she's still dead in the. Oh no, she lives jo- in the movie. Okay, she, okay, she, she lives yeah. in the movie. Like okay. the movie ends with Capra going to her house and them all like having like a little hangout and okay. just goes title card. Christ, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um. But uh, what was I think? Yeah. So I think another little thing that he's doing with that revisionism is that Tarantino is one of the people that famously defended Polanski at one oh, point. Oh right. <laughs> and then since apologized and then went, it's not a good look, man. Don't don't say those things. But now in that universe. The murder mm. never happened, so presumably the rest never happened. And Polanski is A-OK and a safe person to like again. Wow, yeah. That is my interpretation of what's happening there anyway. Um, yeah, so that stuff aside, is the film any good? It's OK. It's got mm. the bit some more problem of it. It's way too long. But this one, I think, definitely feels This is 240, 250. Mm-hmm. And you feel it because... I saw someone describe it. It's a film about people killing time who don't have time to kill, which is an interesting way of looking at it. But the problem with that is that you have the DiCaprio and Pitt characters who mm. are just bumming around doing nothing for like this entire weekend. Oh, okay. And it's very, it's very watchable and like it's very engaging, but they are just doing nothing. Mm. And the problem with that is that you have Tate kind of in the background or like she gets her own like kind of subplot basically versus her like a day in her life six months before the murders happened or didn't happen, whatever. Mm. Um, but her very presence gives the movie this tension that you're waiting for a bad thing to happen. You mm. know, but if you go in knowing the real world, you kind of, if you didn't, I don't know how it does even work. Yeah. You'd be like confused. Why is she in this movie? Who is this person? Wow. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so her very presence gives this movie this incredible tension, and it made me really uneasy during the scenes of like DiCaprio just bumming yeah. around on the set, like having a, a laugh with the lads, and like, but because uh, yeah. like you, you just they kind of what is that genre? Is it just called hangout movies? I think it's called hangout movies. Like this one's kind of like stoner movies, or people like just sitting around talking. Those are fine, but when you add this sort yeah. of Hitchcocky and yeah. intention or not, it's like Hitchcocky and like ticking bomb on the mm. table in the former Sharon Tate. It just gives the whole thing the wrong energy, and you're just it's the scenes feel so painfully like aggressively mm. meandering. Um, the Tate stuff itself is actually very good because it's it doesn't treat you like some kind of lost fallen angel. It's just like here mm. is a normal human being, and here is her just being very like conventional and just having a nice time around her life. And it does give a nice little kind of pang and tragedy to it, but it also feels like that should have been its own movie. You want to give yeah, Sharon Tate back yeah, her humanity. Yeah do that but it doesn't need to be in this movie about yeah aging hollywood actors and tarantino kind of self-inserting himself yeah. about like being out of touch with the youth and i read one very good review by um darren mooney who did a very in-depth review of it and he commented on the casting of the manson family and how it's all very modern like it's dakota fanning it's okay um lena dunham it's all these kind of people they're all these really? like, yeah she's okay very wow. um so it's all these kind of up-and-coming like current stars mm-hmm. of Hollywood and mm-hmm. like they're the yeah the the insurgent force of like encroaching okay. damage and stuff and it's all like this is really yeah. icky and it's just an old man being like oh uh. the kids are frightening and my way of life's dying out <laughs> so murder them all <laughs> yeah, pretty much. get high and smash their face in the fireplaces like that's the problem like it I don't think it's an issue that Tarantino wanted okay. to make that movie like it's very self-indulgent but then again that's a spin his whole career so fine mm. make this kind of sad wank film to yourself about like you're you're flan- not even flannel like he's still top of his game he's still like critically lauded and making money at the box office anyone he's talking about but <laughs> if he feels like he's out of touch and losing mm. like respect with the kids fine don't then make it about Sharon Tate because then you're just like pulling away from a real woman's actual death yeah, yeah. to make yourself feel better. It's, yeah. it's oh, such an odd like meshing gross, of elements yeah. that I don't <laughs> like. Um, of course, our old friend from earlier is in the movie. Yeah. I actually don't even know who he's playing. I think he's, oh, he's right. in like one scene, I think. I can't remember where okay. he is. Um, yeah, so another part of like, the meandering problem is that there is so many flashbacks in this movie. It's okay. constantly just... Hey Rick, remember when you were in that movie? Flashback to him in that movie. Whoa. Then is it where there's a flashback in a flashback? <laughs> and every time anyone mentions anything off, it's like Family Guy. This cuts away wow. to the thing being shown then, and that yeah. includes the uh, the now kind of infamous Bruce Lee scene, which okay. I think is pretty bad. Do you know anything about this? I, I only heard that it existed. So I don't really Have you know. See the trailer. To be honest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's okay. Near <laughs> the whole scene anyway. Like it's a very short scene. Okay. Um, but it does feel like given that. Tarantino obviously co-opted the Bruce Lee iconography yeah, of Kill Bill yeah, and yeah. sort of took that because everyone now knows that was the Kill Bill suit, not the Bruce mm-hmm. Lee suit. Uh, to then have him show up, be this really loudmouth, arrogant asshole, mm. which apparently he was in real life, and then just have this made-up white man character in Brad Pitt just beat the show. Like, wow, well, this is sort of dodgy, isn't it? I mean, it's it's also well, it just sounds a bit as well. <laughs> like, I mean, Sharon Tate and Bruce Lee, they're people who died tragically yeah. and they're not here to defend themselves <laughs> no. like because here's the worst thing tarantino apparently talked to um sharon tate's sister because i think she's in contact with polanski in some way in some way to get okay. words fancy that look don't worry doll i won't do you any wrong in this movie uh, i'm sure that <laughs> was the exact words uh but he didn't contact anyone from bruce lee's estate really and bruce lee's daughter is pissed about the movie so wow i'd say mm, yeah yeah so that's that's pretty bad 
like, I rewatched Pulp Fiction recently because I was just curious if like, they still hold up. And I do think his first few films do still hold up. Like, obviously, there's problematic stuff in them, mm-hmm. but they're still really well made. And, like, Pulp Fiction, for being two and a half hours long, is really tight. And every scene feels like it has a point mm-hmm. and it, it flows really well. This one is just, it's in dire need of an editor. I would actually personally, yeah. if I was doing it, excise the entire Sharon Tate storyline because mm. it is really good. And Margaret Robbie's really good in the role. And I, I like how quiet and sort of subdued it is for tarantino what he's doing what she's doing but it just it doesn't sit at all well the rest of it um mm. well, can i ask because yeah. from the trailer the impression i got of the movie was tarantino saying what if i was around in the 60s and i made the movies then wouldn't that be cool is i mean is it anywhere close to that it, it, like it just seemed like it was him trying to be like imagine if i made pulp fiction or the hateful eight in the 60s. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> a little, little bit. Um, it, it's that, and it's also, as people point out, like, because he loves, obviously, like, older kind of shit upon actors who didn't get, like, the career break they needed. Like, it's very much like an ode, like, a love letter to that kind of actor. Okay. Which is another problem, because, like, that's who Tar- or DiCaprio is playing. Like, he's playing this fictional version of an actual actor that apparently existed who was sort of big in the 50s then got no career in the 60s, and that's all fine. But it's DiCaprio playing him. Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of the most famous actors in the world. Wow. They should have cast someone else in that yeah. role. Someone that actually in real life maybe hasn't had that kind of career. True, yeah. it's really hard to not to see Leonardo DiCaprio in the role. Like, yeah. oh, he has a stutter because I mean, he makes him human, but oh. also, like, <laughs> but it's Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, it, sorry, as well, yeah, as well. Um, is, there, is it a joke that, um, that Brad Pitt is his stunt double? Like, because they, well, just like they don't look alike. No, they don't. Um. <laughs> and, he, and what? Brad Pitt is probably 10, 15 years older than him. Like, were, were these I things. Mean, well, he's definitely older, isn't he? I mean, is Brad Pitt in his 50s? And so you know, Oh, maybe not. Oh, you might be right. You could be right. Yeah, I didn't pop that. Um, I'm going to check. <laughs> I thought they were similar enough in age, but you may be okay. right. Yeah. Um, it's not really a joke, I don't think. I think it's meant to be pretty straight faced. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh, actually, there's there's some stuff you'd love about Brad Pitt's character. Uh, so there's uh, I've read some articles in the last few weeks because you know the stuff like Uma Thurman and the Kill Bill stunt that went wrong and all that oh, nonsense. Oh yes, yeah. uh, people have read into it that, but also like kind of Weinstein-y subtext hanging over all this. So Brad Pitt's character, it's alluded to murdered his wife and got away with it. And you see the briefest <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you see the briefest flashback again of him on a boat with her. And then like he's holding like a spear gun and she's just nagging him, nagging him, and then it oh. cuts away, you never see what happens. Oh. And it's never mentioned again. But it's just left there like, oh he killed his wife and we just don't mention it. And I was like, What the fuck? Wait, Hank, sorry, who did you say that it's the the rumor is it based on someone on a rumor? Is it? Uh, oh, well, actually, it is. Well, okay, I read somewhere that it's based on Natalie Wood. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I was, okay, because when I you described that, that, I was going, okay. Uh, that's kind of what it is, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also feel like his presence is also a Weinstein thing. Of, okay. Because DiCaprio's character knows about this, and he's still, mm. like, best friends with them, and I think that's kind of Tarantino going, oh, yeah, I knew about the Weinstein stuff, but I didn't know anything about oh. it, but I uh, feel bad about it, but also, you know, some people are okay. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's trying yeah. to say, about it, but it all <laughs> just, there's too many obvious links and it just yeah. it all hangs grossly over it and there's a lot of kind of so there's a bit when like brad Pitt picks up on the manson family uh who's hitchhiking and brings them back to the ranch where they're all living and that's actually probably the best scene in the movie where it's just it's this really slow build of tension like him walking around the ranch kind of mm. copying there's something wrong here this is something kind of cold whatever great sequence anyway 
on the way back and she offers to give him a blowjob and he's like how old are you and he's like oh no one ever asked that you're such a good guy for asking oh, how old wow. I am and I was like oh. <laughs> and there's so much stuff like that and then even like with the murder at the end <laughs> two of the three are women and the ones to get the most violence focused on are the women characters oh lovely yeah. um, it's just uh, there's so much in it <laughs> and I just feel really icky like I yeah. do think on broadly speaking I enjoyed it while I was watching it but the more I think of it I'm like mm. oh god Tarantino yeah. <laughs> I never thought you were a good guy, but like you're really not a good guy. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors. Ooh, and uh, no, no segue into it. But um, questions, yeah, well, no, just uh, looking it up there. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is 44, and Brad Pitt is 55. Huh. So I feel I am justified in thinking yeah, that's no, a silly that's... casting decision. <laughs> fair i think fair <laughs> enough yeah um. i mean to be more it's more the fact that they really don't look anything alike they don't have the same facial bone structures or anything like i guess a little something probably don't like once you have the wig on it's all the sort of yeah maybe the, the shoulder acting isn't it really um, probably yeah <laughs> oh well yes and everyone calling it like his masterpiece and film the year I'm like i don't I, even like outside all the problematic shit it's so long it's so self-indulgent well, it needs to be at least half an hour short. yeah well it's just the, the fact that you're that your opening description of the film or plot was mm-hmm. basically the end. <laughs> yeah. Sort of suggested to, suggested to me, like, do I need to sit around for the first two hours? <laughs> That's the thing. You don't. Um, like, to the point that the first two and a half hours pass by and then, and again, like, nothing's happened the first two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Like, broadly speaking, nothing has happened. And then it cuts forward to the six months later bit and there's loads and loads of voiceover from Kurt Russell's character oh. just setting stuff up. So Whoa. it's like, we spent two and a half hours doing nothing, but now there's mm. no time to set up the actual final act. Wow. So here's a lot of this exposition in voiceover and quick cuts to get everyone to the right place for the final showdown. Uh. It's like, that's really lazy filmmaking. Yeah. That's so amateur. And do you remember in um, Hateful Eight, people were oh, giving out... Oh, yeah. Okay, fair on. enough. But there, there is like, there's one short amount of voiceover from tarantino does t- t- basically mm, telling you of. that someone has been under the floor the whole time or something like that and I remember people being like i think people who even liked the film were like why that was terrible yeah. like that you know i wonder i just i wonder is that him doubling down on people being like voiceover your voiceovers aren't good <laughs> maybe because i just that now and again like i know there's a bit in glorious bastards where like sam jackson pops up to explain okay. how film nitrate works but that was kind of fine i thought because i was explaining just an actual like mm. element opposed to like setting up a plot point or like giving us exposition um but this one yeah like it, it's aggressive near the end wow. it's just, there's no time left here is <laughs> a second by second quick cut of what's happening wow it's <sighs> a very frustrating movie um mm. again i think maybe watch it on a plane sometime yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a long fucking <laughs> sounds good <laughs> i mean not good you know what i, I mean that's probably <laughs> I'm just, I'm just check. right so from uh shall we call it the so, so some icons of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. to and attempts to rectify that. Yes. Good Boys. <laughs> yes. Which a film boys. I've been fascinated by the response to because it yeah. seems like anyone of like our age, which is 20s, we're young, we're young. <laughs> uh, so 20s, like mid-20s, late 20s, whatever, are really enjoying it. And anyone older than that seems to absolutely mm. hate it. Mm-hmm. And I don't really get why because mm. I understand that the humor is very crass and kind of one note, but I still feel like the film's heart is in such a good place that yeah. it's, I can't, I couldn't say man even if I didn't like the jokes. I have, I yeah, I have a very, this is admittedly quite a cynical theory <laughs> as to why some audiences might not, or some people might not 
is the I'm not I don't think it's an insistence, but I think maybe they would see it on uh, the insistence on consent in the film not not implying that people want to see rape going on or anything like that but that um that there are quite there's a couple of times where the joke revolves around the fact that you have to ask a girl before you kiss her and i feel like some people might not enjoy this this occurred to me too yeah so i I don't know in a fairly packed cinema of i'd say similarly aged peers some mm-hmm. younger some older and I, I did kind of just kind of get a bit tense every time I came up because I was waiting for someone in the audience given the current political climate we're in mm. to just kind of scoff real loud or something no mm-hmm. one seemed to but okay I that's good mm-hmm. um, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm uh, being too cynical here no I don't know that you're wrong um, I would be surprised if that was the call because some people I've seen giving out about it would be like I think of as quite liberal or something I'd be surprised okay. if that was their reasoning mm-hmm. um, but I could definitely see a sect of audience being mm. very mad about that <laughs> yeah but it's free speech guys what do you want to do about mm. it? Can't, yeah. can't, can't censor me. um yeah so i guess nominally the plot is jacob tremblay and two unknown actors are three friends the beanbag boys mm-hmm. who while trying to learn how to kiss end up uh, via complicated situation getting their dad's drone kidnapped and then have to get a new drone before he gets home and so they can learn how to kiss and go to the kissing party that evening uh it escalates from there and it's very <laughs> silly uh but that's, mm. that's the baseline plot uh jacob tremblay i think is a sort of unfair to cast here because he's got the most like angelic little face yeah yeah true and <laughs> him saying fuck is never not funny <laughs> but also like near the end when he's crying it's the, most, it's the most emotionally manipulative thing you've ever seen yeah, like, yeah. he couldn't be a more generic sort of like perfect child actor it's like <laughs> this is not fair you're like this true. is manipulation true uh, he's very good they're all very good actually. Mm. um all three of the leads i uh, i do understand the criticism of it's sort of the same two jokes the two jokes being adult situations from kids points of views mm. and they don't understand them or kids saying fuck <laughs> but it never didn't make me laugh yeah, so i can't yeah. really complain about it no it's true um, um i don't really have much to say about it other than the fact that i really really liked it mm. uh, i think we were talking about before like it does sort of work with book smart in some ways and yeah. even as you pointed out to me yesterday <laughs> that it shares three two cast members three cast members two, two cast members were pretty key ones because yes, it's almost the same characters yeah will forte plays the fathers in both movies and because um in books sorry in good boys jacob tremblay has a sister who you never see i think arguably that sister could be from booksmart <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's what i want to push <laughs> do you see his mom in this i actually i was looking I back to do. see i don't think she's i don't think she's in the cast list so yeah, i i think there might I, same universe, yeah yeah interesting. so um <laughs> Phoebe Buffay is also both of their mothers. Yes. So that's good. Um, and yeah, and then um, uh, Molly Gordon, who plays AAA and Hannah. Um, could be the same person. Could be the same easily. person, yeah. yeah. She uh, graduated in the first movie and now she's enjoying her mm-hmm, summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I think it works well. Um, yeah, no, I think the consent stuff is... I think it's fairly well handled. I think, mm. So as I should back to Booksmart quickly... Um, I think Booksmart is the better film. It's the more vital film. Mm. It's the more of the moment important film. Like it's directed by a woman. It's, I think it does more interesting things as well. Like this is very mm. one note, which is mm. fine. Like it does what it does very well, but it's, it's very one note. Whereas Booksmart was trying to do a few different things and it did them all very well. Um, but I think if Booksmart is sort of a nice kind of comfortable look at the fact that maybe things are changing and women can actually 
do well in society now <laughs> i think this is sort of like the little sort of ray of hope that maybe the next generation of men won't be a shit yeah maybe they've been yeah whether forced or not they've been <laughs> taught to not be shit yeah yeah no, like that point. last kissing party bit is actually really nice it's and very, sweet yeah and it's, like, it's really lovely yeah. yeah yeah um i suppose yeah no actually one of the things i was, I was just thinking of i suppose it's, it's maybe slightly disappointing that they still haven't got to do one of these movies about people who aren't very well off <laughs> yeah I, I thought that too during the final party scene but I, was like, I guess you kind of have to have them be rich or else you just don't have very interesting sets which i know well, is not I really mean, an excuse no like, yeah I, I mean also i suppose they're like chasing a drone around so you know like there's there's a certain level of affluence going on which they is just not... casually have like what was it 500 dollars yeah um, exactly yeah um which yeah i suppose actually one of the i suppose one of the things i not one of the criticisms yeah, no, rather than thing I didn't no one's saying it's like yeah no but um I suppose it definitely could have been tighter like I know mm. these films are kind of meandering and in a way to a certain degree that's the point of it but stuff like I didn't really think the um running through the traffic scene was particularly necessary it wasn't necessary but like, I kind of liked it and it also <laughs> was the, probably the one moment of real danger in the entire movie that's like, true that was kind of, yeah, these yeah. are tiny children on a motorway <laughs> this is kind of horrible yeah yeah um, yeah no I know what you mean though it was there's a few ways that you feel necessary like the, the parkour chase was also like, I think quite funny oh, but also yeah. not really necessary um, and um, the paintball scene was also just I don't know I, I, I guess I'm just maybe I'm, I'm too much in the climate of like let's not do too much about guns here guys <laughs> i did think that when it happened but, I was yeah. like, but it's not a real gun so it's probably fine yeah um, it's not a flamethrower it's fine <laughs> it's not a flamethrower and it wasn't a woman uh, he was bashing a yeah, face into the fireplace exactly but um yeah actually funny I, I think as well it was slightly to do with that i don't think that the filmmakers quite committed to some of it like the fair enough with the you know running across the road stuff mm -hmm. like they obviously don't know what children running across the road actually looks like which is a good thing but it it didn't really look very good <laughs> no it was clearly just them on a empty yeah, road yeah yeah cars afterwards it, yeah, yeah. It like that, and definitely. some of the um uh some of the editing was also quite poor as though yeah. they hadn't actually they as though they'd like got them out there and with the camera for a little while and they were they were like Shit, this is, might be a bad idea. Let's 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 take the children away from the side of the traffic or something. Um, I don't know. It just it felt like the filmmakers weren't committing to certain um, to certain to some of these kind of setups. So you know, I I don't want to see children being hit by traffic. No. So that's fine. Throwing against um, cars and breaking their elbows or arms—that's fine. Yeah, that was yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, <laughs> exactly, not like yeah. splattered by cars. Um, yeah, but no, it's um. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I guess in a certain way, maybe just like visual gags to a certain degree aren't necessarily the, the, that kind of film genre's forte. Um, uh, so I don't know. Or maybe they are. Maybe they're just not good at traffic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll agree the traffic is probably the worst bit of the movie. <laughs> um, I kind of enjoyed the paintball bit just because I liked what that scene was like mm -hmm. it's, it's just them screaming respect women while like smacking yeah across no tables. Uh, like that's that's entirely fair uh, um but i know the gun thing did kind of sit in my head going, mm. yeah actually yeah we were talking about never grow old mm. earlier the the western and like you know obviously yeah westerns they're gonna be a lot of stuff about guns that's kind of goes with the territory most of it was fine but there was one line where the main character says and i'm not sure if i'm quoting verbatim but um get me the gun that can kill the most people the quickest and it's like shit like not not quite the right tone to go for right now 
So maybe I was, I had that too much in the back of my mind when I saw paint guns. <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> actually, speaking of, we didn't review this, but quickly, um, speaking of kind of humor, which in the political climate doesn't really sit well, <laughs> weapon-wise, uh, one of the funnier bits in the new Spider-Man movie, which afterwards, in hindsight, I was like, oh, geez, that's actually really horrible and dark, is a joke about him accidentally launching a drone strike on one of his classmates. Shit, whoa. And it's really funny <laughs> in the moment, but it's like, in hindsight, oh no, that's actually really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's totally normalizing just like casual drone strikes <laughs> against children. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, <laughs> It's okay, Spider-Man stopped the drone strike that he caused, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I do... I know what you're saying. I do think like the film is kind of sloppy in some ways, but these films often are like they're, yeah, just, they're, they're yeah. scripts more, first and foremost. They're not mm. really the directing is basically invisible, like yeah. apart from like maybe two yeah, sequences. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I thought like the endless gags. Like that's the best thing that's right most. Like it never got old, despite mm. being so repetitive. Like the swearing never got old to me. The endless jokes about them not knowing sex toys were never got old mm. to me. And yeah. I just kept escalating in weird ways. Like, they, <laughs> they always seem to just have more dildos than they ever should have had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Where did they get them all? <laughs> uh, I don't know why Stephen Merchant was in there. For no, that, like, one yeah. Scene, which yeah. is funny, but again, why? Yeah. Um, the kid being called Thor, is that, that do you think, a post-Marvel weird. thing? Or yeah. Because I know people have got that name in real life too, even yeah. to this day, but like an American kid being yeah, called Thor? It's, yeah, oh, it's quite strange. And I mean, what, like he's... 12 so he's not he's not really young enough no, to be a marvel that's true sort of. that's very true <laughs> yeah you know, that. yeah you're right um, <laughs> but yeah um, also i feel like maybe this is an american thing more yeah it could be that, um, i mean maybe he's part norwegian or something maybe. <laughs> um what i was gonna say was that uh because they're meant to be like yeah like 11 10. yeah i'm sure sixth grade is let's well they, they do claim to be tweens at one point so yeah okay that's true something like 11 mm. 12 probably um like, I know when we were that age in school, mm. there was definitely a lot more naughty talk than, mm. you know, adults think goes on. I don't know if it was to this level, though. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> this uh, seemed a lot more than I... Yeah. <laughs> These kids knew more than I knew back in my age at yeah, that time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I suppose... I mean, maybe it's true that it, they do know more now. I don't I don't know. Just with all their smartphones. Yeah, yeah actually, no, that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, funny, actually, that was one of the things I did like, <laughs> which was um, at the beginning of the film when max is um whipping out his computer as well. <laughs> um and but, but what i like is he's he's looking for something to masturbate to yes um and he's he's using like sort of uh like a game or not uh world, world of warcraft yeah, yeah, type yeah. game but he finds like a female orc like and decides like that's that's good you know that's what he wants and this is like that's kind of cool i mean it's body positivity you know mm-hmm. she's a she's a larger lady he makes her larger yeah she he makes, like, he he makes her, stats, exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah um so it's like you know that's if that's what they're looking at these days that's that's good i think <laughs> and i also like that when mil forte comes into the room he's like oh, oh yeah. my kid's masturbating good for you buddy <laughs> and then leaves like that's really weird yeah but also good yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> Because yeah, I guess For like sure. even like is it is it Thor's parents at all the sex swings? Yeah, 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 like that's they seemed very open about that. Yeah. Or at least it was all very accessible to the children very easily. <laughs> yes, so I guess yeah. they were they're very, very open about them. They're, their yeah, either very open or just like very irresponsible. Or both. Yeah, I like that the film like it didn't because I think if it had gone much further into the realms of the LGBT stuff, it would have been risking mm. some kind of awful. What's that group in America? One million moms. When it's like a hundred of them. Um, okay. But one of those groups like boycotting it. But like, there's one little bit of moment at the end when Tremblay's... Is he Max? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when like Max gets, he loses two girlfriends. Oh, and he, yeah. he's like, oh, he's yeah, bawling on the skate park yeah. and then they walk by hand in hand, two mm. girlfriends. Like, that's nice. That's yeah, cute. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. But like, again, goddamn, Jacob Tremblay crying is just most <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Goddamn it. <laughs> Actually, I, I was, I was kind of wondering, um, and I might just be incredibly making assumptions that I shouldn't, oh, yes. but I was wondering, was, was Thor sort of supposed to be potentially queer in some way like is, is that what it's hinting at impression too but it's not really like it, it's sort of unfair to be like oh well he likes singing and he has yeah, an earring yeah, yeah, yeah. but at the same time it's sort of like it feels like that's where the f- filmmakers minds might go <laughs> no i definitely thought that too but i also felt guilty for thinking it because it, it seems like it's not really in the text at all it's more mm. just oh, yeah. visually compared to everyone else he does look he, he kind of seems visually queered in some way. That's yeah, really yeah, or something, yeah. But and I suppose I as well just it that that it's that he and then the other of the Boomba boys, Lucas, they're the two who don't want to kiss yes. girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and like obviously, it is really healthy to, uh, and I think it's great that um, they are just like, look, not every twelve-year-old mm-hmm. wants to kiss or wants to have romantic yeah. relationships or whatever. But um, I don't know. It it kind of felt like maybe. That was also hinting at something for Thor and not for not necessarily for Luke. I was wondering that too. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I, 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 I was yeah. thinking that as well, and I wasn't sure <laughs> what to make of myself for thinking that. Like, yeah. I, I spent too much time online. Am I overthinking everything? <laughs> but yeah, I did. I did yeah. have the same questions as you yeah. did. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know though. But I really liked mm. when the the older girls come home and they're mm. high as high as shit. Yeah. And it's really funny and cute and nice. It's very, yeah, it's very adorable. Actually, yeah, they're both was, very good in general. Actually. They're great. They're really yeah, funny. and actually as well, I think that is is probably another part of what you were saying like those girls sort of become the role models for them in the film to mm, a certain degree mm-hmm. which is probably a really positive thing um take probably, drugs you guys take drugs, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know I, like i feel like they probably wouldn't have done that if they'd made that film t- 10 years ago say no uh, so you know that's the good sign girls boys yeah. can learn from from you know their because you couldn't really have had girl. those characters be male yes. it wouldn't have no worked. it would have been very yeah it definitely would have been highly not possible mm, <laughs> to have mm. them or at least it'd be weird yeah and actually it, it led to one of my favorite part or one of my favorite like quotes from the film yeah. was just at the end max saying you know maybe those old girls were right <laughs> like, yeah. i just love the fact that they're old girls <laughs> when they're like what 17 18 yeah. um yeah uh and like i think the the cop scene couldn't have known a white oh, cop yeah. it just yeah what are you doing, Hollywood? Just, just stop having cops in movies. That's, that's how you go about yeah, it. Yeah, or I mean, I guess make it real and actually make, you know, the majority of cops in America black. <laughs> you know, because that, that, that might start to, you know, make things a little bit better. Maybe. I just feel like then you have the question of then it feels unrepresentative of the real life violence and... Oh, but I uh, mean like in reality. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yes, that like, would definitely. Like, as in, yeah, get rid of the white cops. Um, yeah, that, that'll work. Or, you know, get rid of the cops, but mm. start with the white ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Revolutionary thoughts here. Sorry, yeah, John. there we Just go. Inciting rebellion. Yeah, um, I think one million moms is going to boycott our podcast now. <laughs> oh, no. All five of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think it might end up my top 10 at the end of the year. We'll see. But I, I, I was shocked how much I liked it and how much I laughed at it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, if you, want, if you want a good, I think, very positive double bill mm, of comedy, yeah. this and Booksmart will be yeah. well together. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably it for this month. Mm. Month. Uh, <laughs> uh, this edition. Um, 
what are we say looking forward to next i yeah. suppose it i did did you like it chapter one i, I didn't see it actually ah, it's fine yeah. it's fine the, funny i've seen the trailer for the second one more than i did for the first i don't know why that is oh yeah well the first been a lot of money so i think they're pushing this oh, okay. more money, and yeah. it's almost three hours long as well for some goddamn reason i know okay. it's a very big book but still mm. jesus yeah it's half of a book at this point so exactly yeah. <laughs> it's three hours long yeah <laughs> and uh, then there's you're thinking Ad Astra's coming out oh yeah I well Ad Astra, but also um, yeah I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to it but I'm curious <laughs> about Gemini Man uh, oh yes, yes yeah yes, yes. the angry directed Will Smith <sighs> I really thing. hadn't planned seeing it so don't make me see it Sarah no I won't, but, I won't. <laughs> no you go see it and if it's worth talking about I'll yeah. go see it but like, <laughs> I'm hoping I, you'll come back and go eh yeah I, grab, I, I probably <laughs> will <laughs> Uh, there's that Joker movie coming out, which oh, yeah. I'm just dreading being uh, this generation's Fight Club, i.e. Yeah. <laughs> the point being missed and yeah. endless, like, just toxic memes for the next decade. Because mm. that already happened with the last Joker film we had. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we need another Joker. Full, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm mainly excited for the, the Joaquin Phoenix press tour for that movie because ah. he hates press tours for art house movies. Okay. So he will lose <laughs> his goddamn mind trying to do a, a big mainstream DC movie. Nice. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, looks lots yeah, to look forward to. We'll probably see us all at Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> well, <it's> Halloween. <laughs> I don't or know. Or the we'll new see. year. <laughs> <laughs> all right. right. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.